السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يدلل فلا هادي له وشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وشهد أن سيدنا محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعد وبرزنت أنسيتيوت الله سبحانه وتعالى بسنت سالوتيشن سبحان محمد بن عبد الله Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends And upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam Continuing from where we left off last week We are still looking at the life of Amirul Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu And tonight bi ta'ala We will be looking at the events that took place during the Khalifa, uh, during the leadership of Ali ibn Abi Talib. And when Ali ibn Abi Talib becomes Khalifa, after the martyrdom of Uthman radiyallahu an in the year 35 after Hijrah. So in the year 35 after Hijrah, Ali ibn Abi Talib becomes Khalifa. And there are three main events that takes place in the life of Ali radiallahu anhu, or in his Khalifa as I should say rather. Number one, after the demise of Uthman radiallahu anhu, we find in the year 36, after Hijrah, the battle of Jamal takes place. We find after the battle of Jamal, we find the battle of Siffin. After the battle of Siffin, we find that the battle of Nahrawan takes place. And these are the three yani, main events in the lifetime of or in the Khalifa of Ali radiallahu an. And all three of these events somehow or another links to the martyrdom of Uthman radiallahu an as we will see as the lesson progresses and then there was another event that we will look at and this was the martyrdom of Amirul Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu an so in the year 36 after taking bay'ah at the hands of Ali radiallahu an Talha and Zubair they asked permission from Amirul Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu an if they can go to Mecca the first point that one needs to understand and that one needs to look at is after they took bay'ah meaning they recognized that Ali radiyallahu an was Amirul Mu'mineen that they took bay'ah they swore their allegiance to Ali ibn Abi Talib he gave them permission and off they went to Mecca here in Makkah they met Ummul Mu'mineen, one of the mothers of the believers, Aisha radiallahu anha, the youngest wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She was not in Medina at the time of the martyrdom of Uthman radiallahu They meet Aisha radiallahu anha and they explain to her. They explain to her that Uthman has been killed. They explained to her what is happening at the moment in Medina. The three of them, Talha, Zubair and Aisha, with followers of or people that agreed with them, they set out to Basra to bring back or to bring to book the killers of Uthman radiallahu an. So all that Talha wanted, all that Zubair wanted, all that Aisha wanted, they wanted the killers of Uthman radiallahu an to be brought to book. So when they came here, they met with Uthman ibn Hanif. Now Uthman ibn Hanif, he was in charge of Basra. 
So, like in the time of Abu Bakr, in the time of Umar, in the time of Uthman, in the time of Ali, they were Amirul Mu'minin. They were in charge of the Muslims, all of them, right? Every single Muslim was under these Amirs that I mentioned. Then these Amirs, like the four Khulafa Rashidin, they had, if you want to call them ministers, or you want to call them provincial leaders, or whatever you feel comfortable with. But this was the job of Uthman ibn Hanif. He was in charge of Basra at the time. So he worked under the Amirul Mu'minin. He worked under the Khalifa. So when they met with Uthman ibn Hanif, they explained that they are here, they want the murderers of Uthman radiallahu He never allowed them to enter Basra until Ali radiallahu came. So one needs to also understand that Uthman ibn Hanif was in charge of Basra before Ali even became Amir. So he worked under, or he was sent there under who? Under Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu And then when Uthman radiallahu was martyred, he was still Amir of Basra. And now under Ali radiallahu anhu, he is still the Amir. So he tells Talha, he tells Zubair, he tells Aisha that you need to wait. You cannot enter. You need to wait until Ali radiallahu anhu comes back or comes here. So one of the participants of the group that killed Uthman radiallahu an, he started to fight against Talha, against Zubair and against Aisha. Started to fight against them and he killed 700 of the men. So what does this lead to? This leads to that the people of Basra in general, they joined the army or the group of Talha, of Zubair and of Aisha. They joined them and Ali radiallahu an, where does this leave him? <clears throat> this leaves Ali radiallahu an with an army of about 10,000 men. So Ali radiallahu an, he forms an army of 10,000 men because he heard of this battle that took place. So he forms an army of his 10,000 men, as I mentioned, and he sets off as well. Now here, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, there's a very important and interesting point. Ali radiallahu an, he sets out with his army against Talha, Zubair and Aisha and not vice versa. There are certain groups that obviously they have certain motives they have certain beliefs and they try to paint a very dark and a very strange picture of history. So this group, they come out and some of their supporters and they say no. Can you people see that Talha, Zubair and Aisha, they didn't want Ali to be Khalifa. They wanted to fight against Ali radiallahu an, And this is why Ali fought them at the battle of Jama. This is incorrect. As we see here that Ali radiallahu an, he takes his army to them and not vice versa. Another important point that one needs to understand and that one needs to realize is that had Talha, Zubair and Aisha and the people that followed them. Had they wanted to go against Ali radiallahu an, or they wanted to take over the Khilafah as many have said, what could they do? Why go all the way to Basra when you can just go from Makkah to Medina and take Ali radiallahu an there and remove him as Khalifa? When Ahnaf Ibn Qais, he met Talha and he met Zubair. He asked him, what do you command me to do with regards to the killers of Uthman? They said to him, upon you, yani alayka wi Ali, that you need to follow Ali, meaning you need to take bay'ah by Ali. This is what you need to do. 
when Ahnaf ibn Qais, when he met Aisha radiallahu anha, he asked her the same thing. What do you command me to do with the killers of Uthman radiallahu an? Aisha radiallahu anha, she says to Ahnaf ibn Qais, Alayka bi Ali. The exact same thing that Talha and Zubair told him. That you need to go take bay'ah by Ali. This is your Amir. You need to follow what Ali radiallahu an has told you to do. So what happens? Obviously, time does not allow us, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, to go into too much detail. And obviously, this is more just a cause to look at the lives generally of the ten that were guaranteed Jannah. And unfortunately, because what took place in the life of towards the end of the life of Uthman radiallahu an, as we saw last week, and or the week before Afwan, and what we see today. This is why we need to spend some time on some of the events that took place in their lives because like we mentioned earlier and we've been mentioning throughout the series that certain groups, they paint a very dark picture of the events that took place between the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. A picture that is untrue. A picture that paints and depicts the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam as a warmongering people, as people that hated each other, as people that hated the Ahlul Bayt, which is not the case. So before the battle of Jamal actually took place, before the two groups fought against one another, something important happened. There was a negotiation. So they came to the negotiation table. The two groups sat. Miqdad ibn Aswad and Qa'aqa ibn Amr. They came and they spoke to Talha and they spoke to Zubair on behalf of Amirul Mu'mineen Ali radiallahu anhu. So Ali radiallahu anhu, he sends Miqdad ibn Aswad and he sends Ka'aka to meet with Talha and Zubair. So this is the one group coming to meet the other group to speak and let's come to some sort of a conclusion. Let's come to some sort of an agreement. Let's come to some sort of an understanding that you are Muslim, we are Muslim. Many of us are companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Why should there be this fighting? Why should we go to war? Let us sit. And they come to an agreement that there is going to be no fighting. So the two groups, the representatives of Ali's group, meet with Talha and Zubair. They sit, they discuss. They come to a conclusion that we are not going to fight. There is going to be no war. And tomorrow morning, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, each one will go their separate ways and we will call it quits. If you want to put it in simple terms. So you might be wondering, why is it that Talha and Zubair and Aisha set forth in the first place? Why did they come out? They came out because they wanted the killers of Uthman to be brought to justice. Ali radiallahu an he felt that now was not the right time so now currently the situation that we are facing beloved Muslims in Medina that now is not the right time for me to bring the killers to book to bring the killers to justice this needs to wait so the important point we need to understand is that Ali radiallahu anha, Talha, Zubair and Aisha and the people with him, they both agree, both groups agree that the killers of Uthman needs to be brought to justice. There's no doubt about this. However, they differed on when must they be brought to justice. 
Talha Zubair and Aisha feels they need to be brought to justice. No. Ali radiallahu an feels that this, he looked at the maslaha and the mafsada. Things that can benefit and things that can harm. And he felt that bringing the killers to justice at this moment, at the start of his khilafah, it has more, it, or it will have more of a negative effect than it will have a positive effect. And this is why he delayed it. Radiallahu Now this is important. We need to understand the difference. We need to look at why both parties came to this area, why both parties got men together, and why they differed. And this is the understanding of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama, which is extremely important. That the difference of opinion was not whether the killers must be brought to book. No. The difference of opinion is when must they be brought to book. And this is how they differed. So Alhamdulillah, they came to a conclusion and they spoke, they realized that there's going to be no fight. So both parties, alhamdulillah, they took rest and they slept the night. Now, what we need to understand in the life of Uthman radiallahu an, the martyrdom of Uthman radiallahu an, who was there? The group known as the Sababiya. The group who killed Uthman radiallahu an. Under the leadership of who? Abdullah ibn Sabah. And here we find that Imam al-Tabari, Ibn Kathir, Ibn al-Athir, Ibn Hazm, and many other scholars of Islam, they bring this story in their books. So Imam al-Tabari in his tarikh, even Kathir in Bidaya wa Nihaya, they bring this story that I'm narrating to you, where the Sababiya, the group of Abdullah ibn Sabah, was extremely unhappy that the two Muslim groups were going to come together. And they يعني, are known as we know it in today's time as a third force. We see that it happened during the days of apartheid in South Africa. It happens in many war-ridden countries. It happens in many countries that people are being oppressed. There's a good cause and there's a third force, a third party that comes from the outside and they instigate trouble. And this is exactly what happened. So during the evening, the Sabawiyun, they come together. They have a discussion. They realize that we cannot let this go on. We cannot have this issue. So what do they do? They split. They send some of their soldiers to the army of Talha and Zubair. They send some of their soldiers to the army of Ali. And during the evening they attack the army of Talha and Zubair. So what happens? They kill some of the men and they flee. Talha and Zubair, they say, we knew we couldn't follow Ali. We knew that Ali's army had deceived us. Ali radiallahu anh, army says the same thing, that we knew we couldn't trust Talha and Zubair. They tried to deceive us and they deceived us. Just in the day, we sat and we spoke and we agreed to no fighting. But now what happens? They start attacking us? No, no, no. So now both groups, they think that the other group deceived them and they start to fight one among another. And who benefits from this? Not the Muslims, but the Munafiqun, the Sababiyya. To cause this unity amongst the ranks of the Muslims, this is exactly what they did. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, not to go into too much detail of the battle itself, 
but there was an attempt to stop the battle. Some of the senior companions, they tried to stop this battle between the two Muslim groups, but they couldn't. Zubair tried to speak to his army, but they never listened. Ali tried the same, but to no avail. And remember, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, you in a time of war, there's war going on, there's a battle. Arrows are flying all over. Sword fights are happening all over. For you to come now and stop something, there's an energy rush amongst the people. Hardly anyone's going to listen. Right? Even subhanallah, leave alone a situation of war. Right? Something may be happened, for example, in a school, in an organization. There's a meeting and people's emotions are running high. Even if the leader that everyone respected came to speak, people will not listen. This is human nature. To also show us the importance of trying to stop this battle, Aisha radiallahu anha, she sends Kaab, she sends Kaab to, not Kaab ibn Malik, right? not the companion, but another person by the name of Kaab, with a mushaf, to try and stop the battle. And with regards to stopping the battle with a mushaf, we will deal with this when we speak about the battle of Sifin. So when Kaab comes and he tries to stop this battle, the Sababiyun, they assault Kaab. They start shooting him with arrows until he passes away. Again, prove to show us, to teach us that they didn't want any stopping of the battle, the Sababiyun. All that they wanted was to see how many Muslims could die and to create havoc amongst the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We also find that during the battles, and I've mentioned this, that sensible people they would try to stop it, but to no avail. This battle started around Salatul Dhuhr, which is after Salatul Dhuhr, and it ended by sunset. Ali radiallahu an, he had about 10,000 soldiers with him, or say 10,000 strong army. Ahlu Jamal. This is Talha, Zubair and Aisha, and the army had between five and 6,000 people with him. During this battle of Jama, we also find the martyrdom of Talha and Zubair. We're not going to go into too much detail with this as we will discuss them separately when we do this, them specifically as the week would show us. So inshallah next week and the following week we discuss the two of them, Talha and Zubair, may Allah be pleased with most of them, and we'll discuss in detail how they were martyred bi idnillahi ta'ala. The next important issue is what happened after the battle. This is important. Okay, fine, a battle took place, but what happened afterwards? We want to know. The companions that participated in this battle, they lamented, they were extremely saddened by this. Many of them sat on their own and they showed regret. Many of them were sad what happened. That not too long ago, they stood side by side, fighting for the upliftment of Islam. And now look at what's happened. Ibn Abi Shayba, he brings a narration in his book. So from on the authority of Abi Shayba, from Umar ibn Ayyub, narrated from Ja'far ibn Burqan, from Yazid ibn Al-Asam, that he said that Ali radiallahu an was asked about the dead from the battle of Sifin, so he answered, that he said that our dead and their dead are in heaven and the matter will be between me and Muawiyah. 
So yeah, Ali radiyallahu an, right, speaking about the battle of Sifin, this is the battle that we're going to look at. However, the same is being said for the battle of Jamal as well. That Ali radiyallahu an, he knew that the shuhada from both sides, from Ahlu Jamal, Talha Zubair and Aisha, and from his side, that they both are in heaven. And it wasn't a matter of that they were correct and they were incorrect. He says, as for the matter of myself and Muawiyah, which we will discuss in a few moments, this is this between me and him. There again, there was no need for violence. Ibn Jurmuz, he killed Zubair, and like we mentioned, we'll discuss this in the future. He came to Ali radiallahu anha with the sword of Zubair, and he said, to Ali that basically here's the sword and you know showing off bragging that I'm the killer of Zubair Ali says to him glad tidings O Bashir glad tidings to you even Jurmuz the one who has killed Abu Safi. You are going to go to Jahannam. Ali radiallahu anhu, he also never ever allowed him to come into his company again. So what does this teach us? Had Ali radiallahu anhu, had he been happy with his violence, had Ali radiallahu anhu wanted this war to take place, this battle to take place, which only lasted a few hours, but its effects still goes through to today. Its effects went through the channels of history. Its effects still affects this ummah today. So we find that Ali radiallahu an is displeased. When it came with the matter of Aisha radiallahu anha as well, Ali radiallahu anha, he makes sure that Aisha radiallahu anha is sent back to Medina. That she sent back safely to Medina. Ali radiallahu an. He said that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that there will be a dispute between you and Aisha, O Ali. So Ali says to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, it will be that I will be wrong? Will it be that I am wrong? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, No, Ali. But if it comes to this, then send her to safety. And this is exactly what Ali did. This narration is found in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad. So yes, Ali, there is going to be some dispute. And this is the dispute that Rasulullah was speaking about. It wasn't just a merely discussion. It was a war. It was a battle. But please make sure that she is safe, O oh Ali. And this is exactly what Ali radiallahu an did. So if Ali radiallahu an never felt the need to send her back, or he never felt the need to respect the other army, he never understood them, or he took them to be enemies, he would have never dealt with them like he did. So this shows us that this battle, it was a understanding it was a matter of ijtihad it was not a matter of trying to strip Ali radiallahu anhu from his khilafa as some groups paints this picture out to be this makes us move on to the next issue and the next issue deals with the battle of Sifin the battle of Sifin took place in the year 37. Now in the year 37, this brings us to another companion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who was 
Muawiyah radiyallahu an. So Muawiyah up until now has not pledged allegiance to Ali radiyallahu an. After the battle of Jamal, Ali radiyallahu an, he says that Muawiyah he needs to pledge allegiance and if he does not pledge allegiance, we will fight against him. Ali radiyallahu an, he is the Amir. This is his haq, this is his right. That you need to pledge allegiance with the Amir. And if you don't pledge allegiance with the Amir, the Amir has the right to set out and fight. There's obviously conditions, there's the, right, like we say in today's time, terms and conditions. This is exactly, we need to obviously go back to the books of Fiqh, etc. and study this in detail. This is not a time and a discussion for this. So Ali radiallahu anhi prepares an army of 100,000 people. And they headed out to Sifin, which is in Sham. When Muawiyah radiallahu an, when he hears this, so Muawiyah radiallahu an, he hears that Ali radiallahu an has formed an army and he set out to Sham, he ascends the Mimba. Muawiyah, he ascends the Mimba and he informs the people. That this is what Ali radiallahu an has done. And also he says that Ali radiallahu an has the support of the people of Iraq. Iraq. So what is your opinion? The congregants, they sit, obviously they sit in on the ground, they put their heads down. And they don't respond. Someone gets up by the name of Dhu Al-Khila' Al-Himyari. Or Dhu Al-Khila' Al-Himyari. He gets up and he says to Muawiyah that you make a decision and we will follow it. Again showing the importance of obedience. That they respect Muawiyah radiallahu an because he is the Amir of that place, of that area. And whatever decision you make, O Amir, O our governor, we will follow you. Ali radiallahu an is reported that he did the same. He ascended the mimba and he told his people that Muawiyah has the support of the people of Sham. And what is your opinion? Here we never saw Samirna wa Atana. But rather we found that the people, they started screaming over one another. We started to find that the people started speaking against one another. And there was, yani folder, there was a bit of chaos. Because, as we will see later on in history, this was the difference between the people of Sham and Iraq. As for the people of Sham, they were people of Samirna and Atana. They were of the people of obedience they were of the people that took witness as for the people of Iraq they never liked or they never enjoyed taking orders from the Amir they were a people of disobedience they were a people that enjoyed folder they enjoyed disruption again Going into history, you will exactly understand what is meant by these two different nations or groups. We will see later on that from this group, from the people of Iraq, they were the same people that fought Ali radiallahu an. From the people of Iraq, they were the same people that killed Ali radiallahu an. So we find that Ali radiallahu an, he reaches Sifin. He reaches Sifin in the month of Safar, in the year 37. Qais ibn Abbad, he says that I said to Ali, may Allah be pleased with him. Tell me about this march of yours. Tell me about this campaign that you are going to go upon. Is this an order that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave you? 
Or is this your opinion that you have formulated? Meaning, is this out of your own ijtihad? Or is this min amri nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Or is this a matter that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had ordered you with? Ali radiyallahu anhi replies and he says that the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has not ordered me to do this. But however, this is my opinion, meaning this is my ijtihad. He has amirul mu'minin. He has the right to do things which he understood to be for the maslaha of the ummah. And this is exactly what he did. This narration is found in the sunan of Imam Abu Dawood rahimallahu ta'ala. So the battle of Jamal and the battle of Siffin, this was Ali radiallahu anz ijtihad and rightfully so as he was the Amir of the Muslims. There's another important mas'ala that takes place. And this is did Muawiyah radiallahu an dispute Ali radiallahu anz khilafah? And what is meant by dispute? Did he feel that Ali radiallahu anhu is not a haq? That he does not have the right to be the Amir? So let us look into this mas'ala. Abu Muslim, Al-Khawlani, may Allah be pleased with him, he entered upon Muawiyah radiallahu anhu. And he said, O Muawiyah, do you dispute the leadership of Ali? Are you the same as him meaning do you dispute the leadership of Ali do you feel that he is not capable of being Amirul Mu'minin do you feel that Ali radiallahu an shouldn't be Amirul Mu'minin and then also are you the same as him are you on the same level as Ali radiallahu an Muawiyah radiallahu an he replies and he says no he says that by Allah he takes a qasim I know that Ali radiallahu an is better than me. Huwa afdalu minni. Wa huwa ahaqqu bi amriya. And that he has more right in this matter, meaning he has the right to be the khalifa and not me. So look at how Muawiyah explains. He says that Ali is better than me. And that Ali has more right to be the Khalifa than me. However, Muawiyah is still speaking. Don't you know that Uthman was killed unjustly? Don't you know that I'm related to Uthman radiallahu Don't you know that it is our right as his family members to seek the blood money? So when he explained this, Abu Muslim al-Khawlani he sets out to go speak to Ali radiallahu an but Ali radiallahu an he still refuses to bring the killers of Uthman radiallahu an to justice at this time it needs to be delayed why? because there are other important issues according to the Amir and this is his haq this is his right so what we learn from this is that Muawiyah radiallahu an never disputed that Ali radiallahu an was the Khalifa. And this again, it goes contrary to the picture that certain groups paint. That certain groups, they always tend to paint a very dark and a very black picture of the history that the Muslims went through. Even maybe one day in the future when we discuss and when we look at the war basically or not the war but rather the killing of Hussein radiallahu an at Karbala we will see the picture painted by Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama and we will see the picture painted by the Rafidiyya by the Shia by the Isda Ashariya two different pictures and up until today from that time it is always a sad day, yes. The grandson of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is martyred. This is a sad day. But to dress in a way that you do, to speak in a way that you do, to curse some of the companions in a way that you do, to beat up yourself in the way that you do, 
This is not of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Muawiyah radiyallahu an, he never disputed that Ali was supposed to be the rightful Khalifa. The army of Ali radiyallahu an, as we mentioned, 100,000 soldiers during the battle of Sifin. Muawiyah radiyallahu an, between 60 and 70,000 soldiers. We're not going to go into too much detail about the fighting, etc. But what we do want to look at is who was upon the truth? Where does the truth lie? Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani rahimallahu ta'ala in Fathul Bari which is an explanation and one of the best explanations of Sahih al-Bukhari as many of the ulama they would say La hijrata but ba'da fath that there's no need for basically there's no need for another sharh after the sharh of Fathul Bari. So Ibn Hajar he says that the majority of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah they held the opinion that Ali and his army was on the truth. And the truth was Aqraba ila Ali. The truth was closer to Ali radiallahu an and his army. Those who fought Ali radiallahu an, they did this unjustly. He carries on and he explains and he says that however this matter was a matter of ijtihad and they erred. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says that, I'm paraphrasing the hadith, but basically there are two mujtahidun. And one of them errs in the mas'ala. They don't get punished for this. They even still get one reward for trying. However, the one that is correct, he gets two rewards. One for being correct and the other one for making the effort of the ijtihad. So like this, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the army of Muawiyah and his followers, yes, they erred, they made a mistake. But this does not take them out of the fold of Islam. This does not take them... That we will speak ill about them. That we will curse Muawiyah. That we will curse his son. That we don't only curse them, but we curse his father as well. Abu Sufyan, no. They made a mistake and ta'ala, Allah will forgive them for their mistake. Ibn Hajar, he says as well in Fathul Bari, that there is ijma, there is consensus amongst Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama. That it is compulsory. It is wajib. That we do not curse, nor abuse, nor speak ill of any of the companions that participated during these battles, even though we know or we recognize that the truth or that Ali radiallahu an was closer to the truth than the other parties. And he says that this is only because they fought out of their ijtihad. It was not a matter of removing him from Khilafah. It was not a matter of that we hated Ali radiallahu anhu. No. It was a matter of ijtihad. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The next important point that we need to look at is some of the companions that participated during the battle. There were quite a few of the companions that participated during this battle. And this is the battle of Jamal and the battle of Sifin. So some of them were Ali radiallahu an Zubair, Talha, Aisha, Ibn Zubair, Hassan, Hussein, Amma, Ibn Abbas, Muawiyah, Amr ibn As, Qais ibn Sa'd, Ka'aka ibn Amr, and many others. On the flip side of the coin, there were many of the companions that never participated in this battle. Many of the older of the companions. For example, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. For example, Abu Huraira radiallahu an. For example, Abdullah ibn Umar. And many others. 
So we find that amongst the companions, they were those that followed the ijtihad. Then they were of those that stayed out of the fitna. They were those that did not participate. But know, my beloved brothers, that from both camps, after these battles and when they saw what happened, they were both saddened by this. Whether it was the camp of Ali, whether it was the camp of Zubair, whether it was the camp of Muawiyah, whether it was the camp of those that never participated in this events, they were all saddened. That once upon a time, they all stood hand in hand. They all stood on the same battlefield, in the same rows, and they fought against the kuffar, and they fought against the enemies. It was the same men and women that allowed their children to marry one another's children. It was the same men and women. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Radiyallahu anhum wa radu'an, that they are pleased, that they are pleased with Allah and Allah is pleased with them and this is the belief of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. During the battle of Siffin, we come across a very important issue and this is the issue of the Tahkim. The issue of the Tahkim, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, is an issue that a lot of the historians do not bring the full truthful story about this tahkim. They don't explain the tahkim as it should be explained. And for a number of reasons. Number one, maybe they're reporting from weak narrations. Maybe they're reporting from fabricated narrations. As we will see a bit later. So what is the tahkim? The tahkim is when both sides that are fighting against one another, they put the masahif, which is copies of the Quran, on the end of the spears, and both groups seizes, and they stop fighting. Ali radiallahu an, he did this, and he returned to Kufa. Muawiyah radiallahu an, he did this as well, and he returns to Sham. Ali radiallahu an, he sends Abu Musa al-Ash'ari. To represent his side. Muawiyah radiallahu an, he sends Amr ibn As to represent his side. This narration that I'm going to narrate now reads as follows. That Amr ibn As and Musa al-Ash'ari, they had to come together to some form of an agreement to make the tahkim. And this narration says that both of them removed or wanted to remove Ali radiallahu an as Amir. So Abu Musa al-Ashari gets on the mimba and he says to and he says that to his people or to the people that Ali needs to be removed. And then he shows the people he has a ring on his hand. So he says that Ali needs to be removed as how I remove my ring and he removes his ring from his finger. Amr ibn As, he gets up on the mimba and he does the same thing as Abu Musa. And also, he does the same movements with the ring. But he adds on something. He says that Muawiyah must be established and Muawiyah should Replace Ali and like this and then he puts the ring back on. Abu Musa al-Ash'ari gets upset and he returns to Makkah and he never went back to Ali who was in Kufa. And Amr ibn As goes back to Sham. This narration, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, which even comes about sometimes in the groups known to us yani, under the flagship of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah even some of the Sunni Muslims narrates this this however is a narration which is untrue and it is fabricated with lies the first point I would like to look at is that in this chain of narration we find 
ابو مخنف الكذاب Now Abu Mikhnaf is, is known to be a liar. is known to be a rafidi as well. So we cannot accept this narration. Point number two. How can two companions come together? Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, Amr ibn As, and how can they decide that, you know what, we don't want Ali to be Amir anymore, so let's take him off. Subhanallah. Imagine, it doesn't, logically, it does not make sense that two people just come together and they say that we don't want Ali to be Amir. And the third point is, let us look at the authentic narration. When Abu Musa al-Ash'ari and Amr ibn As, when they met, they agreed that Ali radiyallahu an and his group were those that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam were happy with. They were the group, yani they were the companions and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam happy with him. So Amr ibn As, he asked Musa al-Ash'ari, where does this leave me and Muawiyah? He replies and he says that if you are seeking assistance, if you want help, then know that the help and the aid is with him. But if you want nothing to do with this, and you don't feel comfortable with this matter, yani, then this Amr is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they both dispersed. Again, you will find that certain narrations, untrue narrations, they speak about the tahkim, they speak about Musa al-Ash'ari, they speak about Amr ibn As, that as if they were not intelligent people, as if they tried to manipulate this ummah as if Amr ibn As accused Abu Musa al-Ash'ari of being someone that had no intelligence and almost like Amr ibn As tried to if we can use the word con Abu Musa al-Ash'ari which is not the case and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best now in this battle of Sifin as well, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the Khawarij, the same people that were behind the killing of Uthman radiallahu an, known as the Sababiyun, right? Also known as the Khawarij. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he spoke quite severely against this group known as the Khawarij. When he described them, he said, he said that they are the dogs of the fire of Jahannam. The Khawarij, some of the traits of those people, that they would spill the blood of Muslims, as we will see a bit later, without blinking an eye. Some of them, or of their beliefs was that they believed that if a Muslim commits a major sin, then he is a disbeliever, wa na'udhu billah. It goes against the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. goes against the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna Allah la yawfiru an yushraka bihi wa yawfiru ma duna thalik. That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala la yawfiru an yushraka billah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inna Allah la yawfiru an yushraka billah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He forgives All sins except the sin of shirk So How if someone For example Commits zina wa na'udhu billah Does he become a disbeliever This is not correct So This was some of the people In the army of Ali Radiyallahu an and this brings us to the next point, which is the Battle of Nahrawan. The Battle of Nahrawan took place in the year 38. Ali radiallahu anhi returned to Kufa. With him, like we mentioned, obviously in his group were some of the Khawarij. They rejected the Tahkim. They said, there is no hukum except by Allah. We can't accept the hukum of 
Amr ibn As and Musa al-Ash'ari, the hukum must come from Allah. It must be only by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they started opposing Ali radiallahu anhu, even in the masajid. They would scream this slogan. No hukum except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't accept the rulings except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ali radiallahu anhu would say that this kalima, this phrase that they are saying, it is true that we have no rule except that it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But, they, what they mean by this, or what they want by this hukum, is baltil. Meaning, that they say in the truth, this part of the conversation, part of what they are saying is true. But the outcome that they want, they want something false out of this. And this, my beloved brothers, we see in our times today as well. That Ahlu Bid'ah, people of innovation, they mix, yani, Labbis al Haq ma'al Baltin. That they mix the truth with falsehood. So there's some element of truth in it, but the outcome that they want is something Baltin. And this is not the way of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. So what happens, we find is that the Khawarij, they kill Abdullah ibn Khabbab radiallahu an and his pregnant wife. When Ali radiallahu anhu approaches the Khawarij, who killed him, why did you kill him, etc. They said we killed him, with arrogance, with people that we killed him. Ali radiallahu anhu forms an army of 10,000 men. And he fought against them at Nahrawan. The Khawarij, they had an army of 1,000. They were only able to kill about 4 to 7 soldiers of Ali radiallahu anhu's army. Ali radiallahu anhu was victorious. The next important point, and this is the last point of Ali radiallahu anhu's life, the martyrdom of Amirul Mu'minin in the year 40 after Hijrah. So two years after the battle of Nahrawan, three of the Khawarij, they came to Mecca. They wanted to kill Ali radiallahu anhu. They wanted to kill Muawiyah radiallahu anhu. And they wanted to kill Amr ibn As. So who were they? They were number one, Abdurrahman ibn Muljim. He wanted to kill Ali. The next one was Al-Bakru At-Tamimi. He wanted to kill Muawiyah. The third one was Amr ibn Bakr At-Tamimi. He wanted to kill Amr ibn As. So let's just go over it again. Abdurrahman ibn Muljim wanted to kill Ali. Abu Bakr al-Tamimi wanted to kill Muawiyah. Amr ibn Bakr al-Tamimi wanted to kill Amr ibn As. So now we also need to understand is that Amr ibn As, he is where? He is in Egypt. Right? The first masjid of Egypt being built in Egypt was named after Amr ibn As. Muawiyah radiallahu anhu, he is in Sham. And Ali radiallahu anhu, he is where? He is in Kufa. So Ibn Muljim, he goes obviously and all three of them, they set off and they go to the various places. Ibn Muljim, he stabbed Ali radiallahu an after the Fajr Salah. And this was the demise of Ali radiallahu an. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he places in our hearts the love for all the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for the Ahlul Bayt and for everyone that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loved and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us to love. The next point I would like to look at is what is our stance regarding the killers of Ali radiallahu anhu, the killers of Uthman, the killers of Hussein, of Zubair and others. So we as Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama, we say that they are murderers. They have murdered them unjustly and yani hum finnar, that they will be in the fire of Jahannam. The last point that we would like to look at is the truth was with Ali radiallahu an. Again, we end off with this. That the truth was with Amirul Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu an. And this is the view of Ahlu Sunnah wal Again, we say that the companions that fought against Ali radiallahu anhu, this was out of the ijtihad, and this was never a case of 
to remove case of removing Ali radiallahu an from the Khalif. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, as recorded in many books, when Ali radiallahu an after the battle of Jamal and he saw those that were martyred, he started to cry. Because he realized what has happened. These were my companions, these were my friends. When he saw the battle of Sifin at the end and he saw those have died, he was extremely saddened by it. But when Ali radiallahu an, after the battle of Nahrawan, when Ali radiallahu an, when he fought the Khawarij after the battle of Nahrawan, we find that Ali radiallahu an, he made sajda to shukr. He thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what has happened. So this shows us that in the first two battles, he was extremely sad. But in the third battle of Nahrawan, he knew exactly who he was fighting, that he was fighting his enemies. And he thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us a full understanding of what we have learned. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us of those that we are resurrected with the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Resurrected with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the day of Qiyamah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa. Astawfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.